0: Our scripture reading this morning is found in 1 Corinthians 12. If you would like to use the Pew Bible, it's page 773. Now about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between Spirits. To another, the ability to speak in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He gives them to each man, just as He determines.
1: Well, if we have visitors here today, we are very glad that you are here. And you are here on a day when our pastor and his family are not with us. They're up at a spiritual uh, renaissance retreat, I believe, in Monterey. Um, So be thinking about them. Keep them in your prayers. But I'm glad that uh, we are here together on this uh, Sabbath after Christmas. Uh, Let's pray. Good and gracious God, I ask that you will let the words... From my mouth be your words. That this message that I deliver today may be yours to your glory, in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, we'll see. Isn't it impressive how uh, Pastor Greg does that whole sermon and he uses no notes? I find that impressive. I'm not there yet, so so I gotta see. Is this one okay? Good, we're still on. All right, and I appreciate the folks of you that uh, sat all the way in the back. I would ask you or let you know that there are free upgrades available now, but any of you with long memories know that I'll probably be getting back there soon enough, so you'll have a good view, maybe. All right. You know what? Balthazar had a problem. You see, every year the Astronomers Guild would get together and they'd have a party, and at the secret stargazer's gift exchange, uh, somebody gave him a velvet satchel full of gold. Now that sounds great but this is actually a problem for Balthazar. Now he uh, was grateful and he actually among the members of this guild, the well-to-do members of this guild such a gift rarely, uh, it hardly raised an eyebrow. But for Balthazar there was a problem because a gift like this would push him up into the next tax bracket and he was plumb out of tax shelters and he needed an audit like he needed a hole in the heavens. So he smiled, and only the people who knew him best could detect just a trace of misgiving on his face. What was he going to do with this? So you know what? He took it home. He put the uh, satchel of gold under some old uh, astral maps, star maps, and uh, he left them there until he figured out what he could do with them. Gasper also had a problem. At the very same party, he received a box of frankincense, which is nice, but when he took it home and started to burn some, his wife came running out with a cloth over her mouth and her nose. And it was then that Gaspar realized that some chemical in the frankincense didn't agree with his wife's asthma. So he put the frankincense back in the box, he put the box in the closet, and he figured he'd leave it there until he figured out what he should do with it. Melchior also had a problem. The secret star watcher who drew his name either had a twisted sense of humor or he had a flair for the morose. Because when Melchior opened up his box, he, there was a jar of myrrh. Now myrrh is an embalming fluid. So, Melchior made a joke that somebody must have come to this party worrying that it would be a dead party. And then he put the myrrh back in his uh, box and he started glancing around the room saying, Which one of these guys would give a gift like this at a party like this? So, he uh, put that myrrh under his uh, telescopes and he left it there until he could figure out what to do with it. Then one day, An animated Balthazar and Gaspar came up to Melchior and said that they had noticed a strange anomaly in the sky. And Melchior had noticed it too, and they all knew what it meant. It meant that the king of the Jews had been born. They were going to follow the star until they could find this child, and then they would worship him. But what kind of gifts do you give a new king like this? There was no precedent for this kind of occasion, and they didn't have time to figure something out. Because they had to leave immediately. Just then, a look of desperate genius swept across the face of Gaspar. And pretty soon it spread to Balthazar and Melchior. And that is how three magi became Christmas's first (laughs) re-gifters. Now, you can go from cover to cover in your Bibles. And you will not find that story in there. But as we will discover, I hope, together this morning, the idea of re-gifting is extremely, absolutely biblical. Now, how many of you have ever re-gifted? Okay, very good, very good. How many of you have already re-gifted something you just got this holiday season? <laughs> I did. I got these great cookies at work before vacation. And we brought them to the Christmas Eve uh, service. So I hope you had some. hope you enjoyed them. Now, hopefully, everybody here got great, great gifts. And you wouldn't think of, you know, like sending them to someone else. But it happens. Regifting happens. So what are some of the reasons that we decide to regift? We don't like the gift. That's right. How, it couldn't be much simpler than that. There's one uh, reason we don't, uh, that we regift. What's Another. We want to share them. Re gifting happens at our, uh, at our uh, Pathfinder baked goods option. Somebody pays way too much for a great pie, and then what do you know? They break it, go into the kitchen, they slice it up, and share it with others. That's really great. What are some other reasons? Well, yet, yeah, oh, that's right. You have too many, either of that or just generally have too, maybe too much stuff. Any other reasons? You need a gift in a hurry, like the Magi did. That's right, that happens. That's all right. Maybe you're into recycling. Maybe that's what motivates you. Um, There is a special term. Did you know there's a special term for a gift that gets uh, re-given over and over again? Do you know what that term is? Yes, it is. It is fruitcake. I heard it. Now, I'm sure you've heard about the, the very old joke that says there's only one fruitcake in the world and it just keeps getting passed around to people. Well, I was able to unearth and find that one fruitcake. Here it is. That's right. That's right. Look for that. It's coming your way. Well, here at this church, at Santa Clarita Seventh-day Adventist Church, we have another term for a gift that keeps getting regifted over and over. Do Anybody know what that is? Yes, I heard it again. The turkey candles. Now, if you guys are not aware, how many people know what I'm talking about right now? Raise your hands. Thank thank you, thank you, thank you. Now, there are some who don't, so it needs a little bit of explanation. Every year in late January or early February, we have a white elephant gift exchange. It's a great time. We have so much fun. And one gift has outlasted Every other gift, including the fish platter, including the Gorbachev doll, including that little bird that was like a puppet that sings and dances, one gift has outlasted all of those, and it is these turkey candles. You have to see them to believe them. And this is a good time for me to promote that I believe our White Elephant Gift Exchange is February 9th. So please, come out to this thing. It is a great time. These turkey candles, let me explain them to you. They're a turkey and a candle. But it's not just the legend of the turkey candles that has grown over the years. So has the turkey candle family. You guys remember this? It started out with just two. That's actually one and a half. Because one of the turkey candles, his head has been cut off. But now instead of one and a half turkey candles, we have like this whole flock of turkey candles. Someone has added to them each year. And f- in fact, the more I think about it, I think about got to rename this thing from a white elephant gift exchange to a brown turkey candle gift exchange. Now I hope whoever got it last year is bringing them this year. That's a lot of pressure, but I hope they're coming back. What are some of the hazards of Re gifting that we're talking about. What are some of the risks? Oh, that's a bad one. If you give it back to the person who gave it to you, yes, that's a problem. Or if you give it away and the person who gave it to you is in attendance, that can be bad. I want you to know I had something like this happen fairly recently. Jordan got me, because he knows I like Dr. Pepper, he got me a Dr. Pepper t shirt. So I put it in my drawer and I wasn't wearing it, I liked it, but I wasn't wearing it, and after a while, I had forgotten that he had gotten me that shirt. So Luke, who has uh, these like Dr. Pepper pajamas, I 'm so proud of him he, I figured, "You know what, why don't you have my Dr. Pepper shirt?" Because I had forgotten that Jordan had given it to me in the first place, and when Jordan saw or heard that Luke was wearing, he was like, "What?" And then I started rolling the tape back in my mind and saying, "Oh, no." Oh no, that's right. Oops. So I was, bu- I was a busted regifter that day. So I did the only thing uh, that I could, which was take my gift back from Luke. In fact, I am wearing it today. Woo! Hold on. There you go. There you go, right here. Woo! So I took my gift back. I regifted, and then I unregifted. Now, hopefully, the Christmas season has given all of us. Plenty of opportunity to think about the gifts that God has given us. And some of them, not nearly all of them, include um, His Son, the gift of His Son. Salvation. Hope. Life. Both uh, today and life everlasting. Unconditional love. Also, strawberries. Yes. Sunsets. The smell of orange blossoms. And the sound of a baby laughing. I love that. All of these are great gifts that God has given us. But there's a special type of gift that I want us to look at today. And that's spiritual gifts. God is not offended like Jordan might have been about me giving my Dr. Pepper t-shirt to Luke. With spiritual gifts, God is not offended If we re-gift them. In fact, that's exactly what he wants us to do with them. Alright, let's look at what the Bible has to say about spiritual gifts. We're going to be bouncing around a little bit in the New Testament between a few sections. But if you have a bookmarker or anything to mark your place, um, put it in 1 Corinthians 12. As we read what the Bible has to say about it, I want you to keep in mind a few questions This morning that hopefully we can start to answer, maybe not completely answer, but one is what are spiritual gifts? Next one, who gives them? Who gets them? What is their purpose? What essential ingredient gives spiritual gifts their value? Is the church the same without my spiritual gifts? And what are my spiritual gifts anyway? So I know that's a lot of questions. You don't have to write any of those down. We'll go through them. Let's start in 1 Corinthians 12 and read the scripture that was just read so well. Thank you, Paul and Paula. Starting with 1 and then jumping to 4. Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given, through the Spirit, the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So you'll have to forgive the writers of the, that's Paul, uh, the language that may sound gender exclusive, but we can't extend the concept of spiritual gifts beyond just men, in case you were wondering. All right. I learned a new word this week. It's charismata. Sounds like charismatic. I'm sure they're related. But that's a Greek word, and it's used in verse... and it's the word from which we get our word gifts, but literally it is translated as gifts of grace. So if you think about that, and we go back to our first question, what are spiritual gifts? They are gifts of grace. Now also in verse 7, it says what? Each one the manifestation of the Spirit. Spiritual gifts are gifts of grace and a manifestation of the Spirit. It's good to know, and it's good to keep that in mind. Who gives them? Well, I'm not trying to insult your intelligence. The simple answer is God. These verses that we've just read name God and name the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians 4, it also mentions that Christ gives gifts of grace, and we read some of them, or we heard some of them, with our um, scripture reading earlier in the service, and we'll read it again later. So the point is... These gifts come from God. Why is that important? If you get a gift from God, that eliminates our need and our temptation to be boastful, to brag about that. If we identify the source of a spiritual gift, it eliminates that opportunity for us to brag about that. Who gives them God? Who gets them We do. Not just we, but we all. Now that might be a new concept for some of you. I hope it's not, but if it is, I hope it sinks in this morning. Did you catch that? Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given. Jumping to 11. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Who gets them? We all do. Why is that important? Because everybody has something to offer. Not only that, no one among us can say, Well, I guess I'm just not that gifted. I guess I have no gifts. We might tend to think that or wonder that from time to time, but this verse is telling us, Nope, you do. There's another important note that these uh, passages tell us there are a bunch of different gifts. So we should not expect to all have the same gifts or even the same amount of gifts. It's not a contest. It's not a Pathfinder uh, guide sash where we roll down all of our honors. You get the gifts that God determines to give to you. Look at, jump ahead in 1 Corinthians 12 to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? These are rhetorical questions that he's rolling off. Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret, but eagerly desire? The greater gifts. Moving to our next question. So we've talked about what are spiritual gifts. We've talked about who gives them. We've talked about who gets them. Now I want us to look at what is the purpose of spiritual gifts. And I direct you back to verse 7. Remember what it said there? What are they given for? Each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for what? And what do other translations say? I know what the NIV said. That's what we read or I read earlier. What do other verses say there? Okay. All right. Now, that's one purpose. We're going to be adding some other answers to that as we go this morning. So, were you keeping track of any of those gifts? There were sure a lot of them. Now, I have a little uh, leg up because I think I went back and I hope I got it right. But I think between those two sections that we talked about, I came up with 13 gifts. Here's what I got wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues, apostles, teachers, those able to help others, and administration, organization, leadership. Now, I won't go into a definition of each one of these gifts, but you can see how the wisdom of God, by placing gifts like these in a group of believers, to help one another out for the common good. Did you realize faith was a spiritual gift? Were there any surprises in that list I just read? Now, let's look at Romans 12, 4 through 8. Romans twelve four through 8 We're going to hear a few more. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. I've got to stop there. Some of these gifts you might be able to re- relate to more than others. But I want to tell you what a great gift this one can be. So, and I can tell you firsthand, uh, where's Corey? Corey, are you here? Thank you, Corey. Corey has got to get the gift of encouragement. Because he will come up after, if I've been uh, doing something, he'll say, you know what, you did a good job with that today. That really means a lot, and, uh, and it's important. So, if any of you just even think you have the gift of encouragement, a good person to try it out on is your pastor. We take a lot for granted about the pastor, the pastor's wife. I'd love for him to be stunned if he, if he comes back and have a few of us, a couple of us, encourage him about something. He carries a lot. Uh, He's not the only one, but he carries a lot. But think about it. He needs our encouragement. Um, So we got to encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. There have been many of you that that have given and continue to give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern, govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now do you think it does God or the body of Christ much good if you identify a spiritual gift and you re-gift that back to God's people begrudgingly? Uh, teaching. Uh, administration. Uh, I can do it. I don't, uh, encouraging. Uh, good job. Way to go. Uh, I love it. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now, did you catch that we added a few gifts to our list? Serving, that sounded a little bit like one we talked about before, but I'm going to split them apart. Encouraging, we've covered. Contributing to the needs of others. That's part of what I love about our Shepherds Fund. The pastor has uh, started up. Um, Leadership, or governing, and showing mercy. Did you know that was a spiritual gift? Has somebody shown mercy to you? You know it's a spiritual blessing when you receive it. I'm not sure a lot of us realize that that's a spiritual gift. Now let's look at Ephesians 4, starting with verse 7. Ephesians 4, verse 7. But to each one of us, another recurring theme, has been given, grace has been given as Christ's, apportioned it jumping down to 11 it was he who gave some to be apostles some to be prophets some to be evangelists and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare god's people for works of service so that the body of christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of god and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of christ wow That is quite an impact. We've added in that section gifts of evangelism, gifts of pastoring. And by my count, I could be wrong because numbers is not one of my gifts. But I think that's up to 20 right there. But this passage also adds more answers to the question, what is the purpose of spiritual gifts? So we've already talked about that they're for the common good. But in four twelve, Ephesians 4.12, it says preparing God's people for works of service. And I like the NASB translation. It says equipping the saints for the work of service. I like it. And also building up the body of Christ. I imagine that you guys get just as tired as I do of being in a culture where uh, a lot gets torn down. And if you need an example of what I'm talking about, just wait for a few months. Actually, have the primaries already started in like New Hampshire and Iowa? Here comes a full on year of tearing down. You'll hear people making attacks on other people, but it's not just in politics. We might do that in interpersonal um, relationships. God doesn't want any part of that unless it's something that's keeping standing between you and God. He'll tear that down, He'll ask and He'll want you to tear that down. Otherwise, God is in building up, and the body of Christ is built up through spiritual gifts. Let's see. So, if you've been keeping track, that is the third reference to the body of Christ. And it's an appropriate, fitting, and powerful metaphor for us because we are all connected to Christ, who is our head. We all have different functions, different roles to play, and we all matter. Let's keep it going. Let's turn ahead uh, farther, deeper into the New Testament. Uh, 1 Peter 4. Peter 4, verses 8 through 11. 1 Peter 4, 8 to 11. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. Love that. Now we can add some gifts like hospitality and speaking to our gift list, as well as two more purposes of spiritual gifts, to serve others, sort of related to preparing people for our works of service, but a little different, and that God may be praised through Jesus Christ. I love this one because any of us can take a gift, especially one given by God, and appropriate it, trying to bring glory to ourselves. It can happen. But this gives us the roadmap of saying, if that's at work, it is not in compliance with the role of spiritual gifts that God has given us. It's that God can be glorified, that others can be helped, that we can serve others, that we can prepare others for works of service, that we can build up the body that we can contribute to the common good. All right. So by now we have noted what spiritual gifts are, Gifts of grace, they're manifestations of the Spirit. We've noted many of them, we've named a lot. Um, We know who gives them, we know who gets them, and we know what their purposes are. We just covered those. What about the next question? What essential ingredient gives spiritual gifts their value I just read it in the first part of our Peter text. Did you catch it? Above all, love each other deeply. Love is the indispensable part of any spiritual gift. And it's no accident that if you look in 1 Corinthians, you see 1 Corinthians 12. We've just been reading it, talking about spiritual gifts. 1 Corinthians 14, talking about specific kinds of spiritual gifts. And it's no accident that right in between those two sections on spiritual gifts, Paul puts, he interrupts it with some of the greatest, uh, most poetic and profound words that have ever been written to describe the godly, selfless love. I know you know them, but let's look at them again. 1 Corinthians 13, we'll just look at the start of it. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through and now I will show you the most excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, sounds like a spiritual gift to me, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all All I possess to the poor, and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Spiritual gifts are important. We've just covered a few. Paul bakes a few of them into this premise right here. They're important and they're critical to the health and vitality of a group of people, a group of believers. But if we don't have love, all the spiritual gifts that we've just talked about don't mean anything. Turn back to Romans 12, 9 through 15. I want you to see this theme, how intrinsic it is. Romans 12, 9 through 15. Right after the passage we just read earlier, Paul says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Sounds odd, doesn't it? Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. In our collective life as a church, as a group, we will experience a lot of different emotions. And there are families today that are experiencing mourning. We need to mourn with them. We hopefully can rejoice when the opportunity um, presents itself. But mourning with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. We've looked at four main passages this morning, and similar themes just keep shining through. You can't separate love from spiritual gifts. You can't separate spiritual gifts from a discussion of the body of Christ. They're all connected, just as we all are connected. Ginger started a uh, jigsaw puzzle uh, this week on Christmas Day. And she got all the pieces out, and she has a picture laid out, and she started it, and I think the boys finished it. And I put in, I think, three pieces. And how many pieces was the set total? No. Thousand! So I got three of 1,000. Woo! But all those pieces are connected, just as we are. Which brings us to that other question I wanted us to cover, which is, is the church the same without, my, without your spiritual gifts? I hope the answer is obvious, but if it's not... We're going to get back to that middle section of 1 Corinthians 12. I told you to leave a uh, bookmark in there. 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read verses 12 through 27. You may have heard it a lot. I thought about cutting some of these verses, but i got to read it all. 12 through 27. The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye where would the sense of hearing be if the whole body were an ear where would the sense of oops, smell be right but in fact God has arranged the parts in the body every one of them just as he wanted them to be if they were all one part where would the body be as it is there are many parts but one body the eye cannot say to the hand I don't need you and the head cannot say to the feet I don't need you on the contrary those parts of the body that seem to be weaker parts of the body That seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body. And has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body. But that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. And I again repeat what we read earlier. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, okay, we read that part. Yes, of course the church is not the same without your gifts. The body is not the same without one of its parts. So, every gift matters, every person matters, and every part of the body of Christ matters. And the body is not the same without your gifts. Take a look at the body of Christ represented by this church. What would we be like if we did not have the people who have regifted their gifts to visit others or drive them to doctor appointments, make all the preparations for communion sabbaths, help build and maintain and enhance the church's physical plant, make gift baskets for new members and take tea to people's homes, lead our Pathfinder and Venture programs, Organize and coordinate the potluck teams. Teach in our Sabbath school divisions. Organize, lead, and help with our vacation Bible school. Run, maintain, and upgrade our audiovisual technology. Direct our music groups. Decorate our church. Teach baptismal classes. Organize and maintain our prayer chain. And there are others that I didn't put on this list. But without these and other regifters, our body wouldn't just be hurting. It would be in a state of atrophy. If you already know what your spiritual gifts are, great. And if you're already re-gifting them to the body of Christ, even better. But what if, after all this, you still have one question? What are my spiritual gifts? What are they? Well, I'll offer three suggestions. First one is, ask God to show you. James 1.5, a very familiar verse says, if any of you lacks wisdom, wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Pray about it. If God has given you a gift to use in his service, do you really think he wants to keep it hidden from you? But I hope you allow for the possibility that God might surprise you. If the Christmas story teaches us anything at all, it's that God is not limited by your expectations or by my expectations. And remember, God sees what we can be, not necessarily what we are right now. I give you the the disciples as exhibit A through, what's the twelfth letter of the alphabet? Eric knows. Number two, ask others. You know what, sometimes others can see abilities that you have more clearly than you can. So start with asking God, then you know what, take a friend whose opinion you value and trust and say, what what kind of gifts do you think I might have that can help the uh, church? Three, look at the abilities, look at what abilities you have that can help build up the church body. You can cross-reference it against that list that we've been building this morning. I don't believe that's an exhaustive list. But ask yourself, what skills, interests, or gifts do you have that can serve the purposes of spiritual gifts that we've just been talking about this morning? Once we know what our spiritual gifts are, why would we be reluctant, do you think, to re-gift them back to the body of Christ? If you look at our early example that we looked at at the start of this talk, it can't be because God doesn't give good gifts. Because in James, it also says every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father, down from the Father of lights. God doesn't give bad gifts, so it can't be that. It also can't be because we don't have a use for them. That's one of the reasons we re- re-gift gifts that we get, because we can't find a use for them. But with spiritual gifts, we know God has a use for each and every gift, so it can't be that. If you're reluctant about re the gifts that God gives you, I would say... Get in line. Get in line behind Moses. Get in line behind Gideon. Get in line behind Esther. Behind Jonah and a bunch of other people, including me. When I was first asked to teach the youth class many years ago, I said, oh, I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know if I'm the right one. I was asked to teach the adult Sabbath school class. And I said, oh, well, I don't know about that. What do I have? Well, how can I, What, what could I possibly teach that group? I don't know. If you're reluctant, that's okay. But you know what? I say get over it. Get over it. Those have been two of my biggest blessings in this family of God, in this body of Christ. God knows why he gives people the gifts that he does. He knows where those gifts are needed most. And in other words, God knows what he's doing, whether his plans are evident to you and me. The turkey candles have much to teach us about spiritual gifts and re-gifting. Can you believe it? The turkey candles. You see, the person who first received them could have kept them, could have hidden them, could have thrown them out, but he or she didn't. They re-gifted them. And now that brood of birds helps unite a group of people in laughter and fellowship year after year. Lesson, don't hide your gifts, don't throw them away, and don't wait for the nominated committee to call you. You can talk to Rick Bell, the committee chair, you can talk to an elder, or a deacon, you can talk to the facilities committee chair, or talk to Pastor Greg. I bet you will make his day by asking him where you can help. Finally, I offer what may be the most compelling reason for re-gifting your spiritual gifts. Because it is an act of worship. If we look back, before Paul gets into the conversation that we've read in, in Romans about the list of spiritual gifts, he sets the context for them, and you can find it in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your, and it's my spiritual, act of worship. And that brings us back to the Magi. And here's a little secret. It's probably a pretty poorly kept secret, and most of you probably know it. The Magi did not show up at the manger. It makes for a very nice nativity scene in front lawns and on fireplace mantles. But by the time the Magi found the Christ child, they came to the house, not a manger. And just as the Magi brought their gifts to worship Jesus in the house, so it is that we too can worship him by bringing our gifts to his house today and throughout this coming year.